Welcome everyone, I'm Dr. Clay Nelly from the University of Missouri. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Tim Dwyer. Dr. Dwyer wrote an editorial commentary entitled, Injections for Knee Osteoarthritis, Doc, You Gotta Help Me, in reference to a paper entitled, Platelet-Rich Plasma Combined with Hyaluronic Acid Improves Pain and Function Compared with Hyaluronic Acid Alone in Knee Osteoarthritis, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis, which was published in the April 2021 edition of the Arthroscopy Journal. Dr. Dwyer is an assistant professor at the University of Toronto. Tim, thank you for joining me today. Uh, Clay, it's an absolute uh, pleasure. Thanks for the invite. So for those readers and listeners that maybe haven't read the article or your editorial commentary, let's start with just a brief summary of the manuscript's conclusions, and then you can give us a summary of your overall thoughts and commentary as well. Okay, so this was a systematic review and and meta-analysis, and its main goal was to kind of look at the combination of PRP and hyaluronic acid um, compared to patients who only had hyaluronic acid. And the conclusion was that at 3, 6, and 12 months, um, combining PRP and HA um, actually helped patients more than just giving them hyaluronic acid. Um, so, so that was obviously encouraging. You know, um, certainly interesting to think about, you know, I, I think we've moved to the point where most of us accept that PRP probably gives superior pain relief to those with knee arthritis um, and probably for a longer period of time, 12 months. Um, but it's certainly interesting to think about combining PRP and HA together, especially if it can help patients more. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a nice summary. Certainly, the you know, when the, if the risk profile is low and the, the relative risk reward is high, I think that's that's a benefit. So where where does PRP by itself, HA by itself, and then the combination of PRP and HA fall into your algorithm for knee osteoarthritis in your practice? You know, obviously, I'm, I'm in Canada, so things work a little differently up here. Um, one of the interesting things in Canada is that not everyone has health insurance, but those who do, um, hyaluronic acid will, will often be covered by insurance whereas PRP will not. The problem is, is I, I remain fairly convinced that PRP is superior. Um, it, it gives better pain relief. It's more likely to give pain relief for longer. I've also been burnt a few times with patients getting you know, allergic reactions to hyaluronic acid, which I don't love. So I tend to stick with PRP. Um, I don't use cortisone. Um, as I'm, I know, it only works for a couple of weeks. Um, those who can afford it, I like to give PRP. Um, I like to give PRP um, poor, uh, leukocyte poor. And usually I'll just do two injections a week apart to try and minimize the cost. And so that's my standard approach to osteoarthritis for those people who, you know, I think will benefit from an injection. That's a nice summary. So certainly uh, you make great points and you mentioned that you're in Canada. I think for the most part, uh, it relatively mirrors that in the U.S. still when it comes to insurance companies, at least, and that a lot of insurance companies, at least for the time being, will pay for HA or at least a portion, significant portion of HA, but uh, the vast majority of them do not pay for PRP. And so so how do you how do you think we kind of address that or how do you approach that with your patients? How do we address the cost issue? Because obviously if we're talking about combining them, then it can be relatively cost uh, prohibitive for some patients, especially if insurance patients don't cover the entirety of the HA or only cover a portion of it um, and then obviously don't cover the PRP at all. Yeah, I mean, cost is a, is a big factor. And, you know, some some of my people, my patients don't have financial issues, but a lot of them do. 
you know what? I, I still believe in PRP. I, I think it's the best that we have at this stage. And so I tell people that obviously anyone who has financial hardship and, you know, has insurance for HA, I'm, I'm going to do that. Right. I'm always, you know, if that's their, their only option, then, then that's what we'll do. You know, and, and certainly when I read, you know, I hadn't really thought about com- combining PRP and hyaluronic acid before. And my, my first thought was, well, is PRP and HA better than just PRP? And, and they actually do reference a, a, a separate systematic re- uh, review that actually shows that PRP and HA probably is superior than PRP alone, which I was not aware of. And that's certainly interesting because, you know, PRP doesn't work in everyone that I treat and it certainly doesn't always last as long as I would like. So I'm interested in anything that can make people better for longer. But cost is a, is a big thing. I guess if they have insurance to cover HA and, you know, you know, want to pay for the PRP, I'm not quite sure. I'm quite settled on how I would make that work in my practice. And, you know, that's why this, this uh, manuscript was certainly food for thought. Yeah. So do you, you mentioned that you typically do two PRP injections. What type of formulation do you do when you give HA? Is it a single shot? Is it a series of three or four? What do you typically like to utilize for your HA in particular? You know, because I've moved away from HA over the last kind of five years as PRP has been so rapidly accessible, um, I, I tend to just go with the one shot. You know, I, I'm not aware of any real evidence that multiple shots are better than single shots. So I, I use a single shot HA just for simplicity. Um, I find it's more of a process giving someone HA as well. It's very viscous. You have to use a big needle. You have to put in local anesthetic. They, they don't necessarily love it. Whereas I, I find that patients tolerate PRP exceptionally well and even pro athletes come in for a PRP injection like 24 hours later once the fluid kind of dissipates they can be back on the field so yeah in answer to your question I tend to just use a single shot HA when I do use it yeah that's what I've done for most of my career too is use a single shot HA um, obviously trying to minimize um, the number of injections or office visits and, and some of those types of things in that regard. But the reason I bring it up is because I think it's interesting because you mentioned you use two, you typically on average two injections for PRP, which I think is the way that a lot of people do it. They'll use two or even th- a series of three injections for PRP. So I almost wonder if we're looking at combining PRP and HA together, if the series of three smaller HA injections may not be more reasonable to try and get that approved potentially by insurance companies. And then you give your series of two or three uh, PRP injections concurrently with each of those series of HA injections. What are your thoughts about the setup kind of like that? Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, There's obviously so many combinations that you can do. And you see it in these systematic reviews as well, like all kinds of combinations of HA, PRP, rich, leukocyte, poor, you know, one week, three weeks, you know, it's going to be tough to tease out what, what the best way of going about it is. Obviously, you know, three, you know, weekly for three weeks is quite a burden on the patients too. So I, I don't know if I have an answer for you. <laughs> I'd like to hear the answer myself. 
Yeah, no, you, you bring up a great point, though, and it's certainly one, you know, when it comes to evaluating biologics in general, or especially especially the PRP literature, the, the amount of heterogeneity in both the formulations and, and, the, and the number of injections and the patient population and the appropriate indications, there's no question that it makes it a little bit difficult to evaluate the literature sometimes. And even in this, this, this study, um, you know, they looked, they, it's a systematic review, obviously, in meta-analysis, but they included studies of patients that had NEOA ranging all the way from Kelgren Lawrence one to four, and and I, you know I think we all know that um, no matter what your injection injectable is, um, there's a big difference between a, a Kelgren Lawrence one knee and a Kelgren Lawrence four knee uh, when you're trying to do those injections. And so I think you know that that amount of heterogeneity probably makes it a little bit difficult to interpret all these, even though this is a pretty well done systematic review and meta analysis. Yeah, and you know what I try and do when I read uh, papers like this is just take away some principles. You know, I kind of, I like now in my head that I feel fairly confident that PRP is superior to HA. I, I feel confident that cortisone is only very short acting. Um, I feel confident that the risk profile is, is very safe. And, and now I'm aware that there's certainly an opportunity to inject PRP in, in hyaluronic acid. I don't know that I'll necessarily transition to using it in all my patients, but I think there's certain subsets of patients who be very interested, like super active people who want to stay active despite having knee arthritis. And, you know, I'm thinking the ultra marathon runners and, and those people who just won't be stopped and who will say, listen, doctor, give me everything you got. Give me whatever the best there is. And, and maybe this is where, you know, I might use this kind of combination. Yeah, I think those are really terrific points. The, the stratification patient, you know, patient Patient indications is probably something that's very valuable here. As you mentioned, your 50-year-old ultramarathon or triathlete is going to be very different than your 75-year-old overweight sedentary person, you know, with with uh, grade four uh, osteoarthritis. And so that's a those are very different prodromes there that we're trying to treat and evaluate. And so I think probably just having a one-size-fits-all conservative treatment option or injectable treatment option is not is not appropriate for those differences. And so I think those are great points that you make. So where do, going forward, how, how do you think your, your general gestalt is that you, it sounds like you utilize PRP pretty regularly and are pretty happy with those results. And you said you, you may start to incorporate a combination of PRP and HA and some of those more active patients. Do you think that we're going to see insurance companies buy into this and, and, or overall orthopedic practices utilize this combination more frequently after this type of thing gets in the literature more, or do you think it's still going to be a kind of a slow slow movement towards these types of things and a, and a slow movement away from steroids in general? You know what, um, you know, on, on the question of why isn't PRP covered, you know, patients ask that fairly often. And I obviously don't know the answer. I, I will often speculate that insurance companies don't like to pay for things. And whilst it's probably hard to take away paying for things, so they, you know, you, you probably can't stop providing insurance for hyaluronic acid but you can certainly resist introducing payments for PRP, however good the evidence might be. And I think at this stage, you, you could say conclusively that the evidence for PRP is very good, <laughs> like, you know, non-debatable. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not holding my breath for insurance companies to change. Um, in my practice, I think I'll stick with PRP. You know, it's good. And I, I, I have outcomes I believe that are similar in the literature. I do have patients who who don't respond or only get symptomatic relief for three months or, you know, 
and those are the patients I'm most interested in. So I'm, I'm really looking for, you know, the next generation of PRP and whether that's, you know, PRP solutions that have IRAP in them or are activated or, or whether that's the bone marrow path, I'm not sure, but that's what I'm kind of holding my breath for, in, you know, for the next advancement, like, like all of us, I'm sure. Absolutely. I think you make great points. Certainly, I think biologics in general and, and the overall applications, especially in our daily practice, is really honestly in its infancy in terms of, um, you know, what we understand and, and the appropriate applications for each of those each of those individual things. And so I think those are really terrific points that you make. Uh, Dr. Dwyer's editorial commentary, injections for knee osteoarthritis. Doc, you got to help me. And the corresponding manuscript it relates to platelet-rich plasma combined with hyaluronic acid improves pain and function compared with hyaluronic acid alone in knee osteoarthritis. A systematic review and meta-analysis can both be found in the April 2021 edition of the Arthroscopy Journal or online at arthroscopyjournal.org. Tim, thank you very much for joining me today and sharing your knowledge. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Clay. That concludes this edition of the Arthroscopy Journal podcast. As always, thank you for joining us. And if you enjoy the podcast, please remember to give us a five-star review on your podcast device. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association of North America or the Arthroscopy Journal. Mm-hmm.